Well, great to see everybody today. You know, somebody said to me this week, well, like, what's the difference really between just dieting and fasting? Well, dieting makes your outward man look pretty good. But uh, fasting makes your inner man strong and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. One's like an outside job, but the other is an inside job. And, and we're finishing up this week that 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you haven't been participating, want to encourage you, find a way to participate and uh, you will be blessed for it. Well, I want to continue today kind of where we left off last week. So I would like to jump back to James chapter 1 and look at the mirror of God's Word. James 1, verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For as he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. Now, we talked about last week, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you are literally so new that you don't know who you are. And God needs to introduce you to yourself. And the way that God does that is through his word and his spirit. Now, what this verse is saying is that when you look in the Bible, you're going to see a righteous person, a victorious person. You're going to see somebody who's washed in the blood, who's been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of God. And you look in the word and that's who you see. You see yourself. That's who I am. That's who God made me to be. But this verse says what we often do is we turn around and six hours later, we forgot who we are because the world is telling us something totally different. So what we need to do is we need to find out how do we not become a forgetful hearer? How do we get in that word and see who we are, but then have it stay with us and not being a forgetful hearer? And, and literally what we need to do is we need to see with our spiritual eyes. Now, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, when it's talking about bread there, it's not just talking about whole wheat, multigrain or whatever it is you like. What it's saying, it's saying that there's, there's food for your outer man, your physical being, but there's also food for the spiritual being that lives on the inside of you. And God's word is food for your spirit. So we need outside food. We need, we need the, the, the whole wheat bread or whatever it is. But we also need something for our spirit. And literally, the Bible needs to be seen through spiritual eyes. In Ephesians 1, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding or your spirit being enlightened or being opened. So it is possible to just read the Bible and get it in your head, but not get it in your heart. But faith is of the heart. The Bible says with the heart, man believes. You don't believe with your head. You believe with your 
heart, with your spirit, with your inner man, that's the part of you that believes. So we've got to get it from here to here. That's part of that's part of the spiritual process. Now, when it comes from here to here, it's revelation. And before there's any enlightenment, before there's any change in our life, revelation has to come. Now, in the book of Joshua, chapter one, it says this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, because then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, notice it says you need to meditate therein day and night. Now, typically today, when someone in Western culture hears about meditation, we actually think about Eastern or Oriental meditation, where the goal is to empty yourself of all your thoughts and all of your desires. But that is literally the exact opposite of Bible meditation. Biblical meditation is filling yourself with God's word. And uh, how many of you have ever worried about anything? Now, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because worrying is meditation in reverse. You're, you're, just, you're just meditating on the wrong thing instead of the right thing. We're supposed to meditate on his word day and night. Not on the problem, not on what might happen or could happen, not on disastrous results that possibly could show up, but we're supposed to meditate on the word. Now, the way that you get the Bible down on the inside in your heart is through meditation. A while back, we had one of our grandchildren over a couple years ago. And uh, Jeannie, Jeannie, Jeannie loves grandkids. And every opportunity for them to be over, they're over. And she always wants to feed them. So, so she was going to feed Hunter. And, but, but what happened was Hunter had an experience with food. Now, Hunter took the bowl and put the bowl on his head. He was throwing food. There was food in his hair. There was food in his clothes. There was food on the floor. There was food everywhere, but in his mouth. But the only food that would help him was the food that got in his mouth, right? All the other, he, he, he could, all the us, rest of that was just an experience. Now, a lot of people have an experience with God in his word. They, they've got it all over the place, but it, none of it gets down into their heart. And the only way God's word gets in your heart is through meditation. It can get in your head just by hearing it, just by reading it, but it won't get in your heart until you meditate on it. And it will not change your life. You will not get the nourishment, the benefit of the word of God until the word of God gets down in your heart because with the heart, man believes. And it doesn't matter what you have in your head. How many have ever met somebody? They knew all kinds of Bible, but it didn't change anything about their life because it was just in their head and not in their heart. Psalms 1, but his delight 
is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. In other words, you take that verse that you've heard and you will begin to apply it to your life. How does that affect the way I treat my spouse? How does that affect what I do for my entertainment? How does that affect the way that I work? How does that affect the way I treat my fellow employees? How does that affect the way I handle my money? You know, you begin to apply it to every area of your life. You come at it from the north, the south, the east and the west. You come at it from above and beneath. You come at it from the right and the left. You just come at that thing every single way that you possibly can. Here's the thing about God's word. It is literally supernatural. The Bible says it is alive. It's alive. You can look at the same verse a hundred times and still be getting more out of it. And more out of it as you apply that, that verse to your life. Now, literally, there's just one truth, but there are 10,000 applications. 10,000 ways that that verse can be applied in our life. And it's as we meditate and apply that word that it makes a difference. Listen again, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your heart or your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, here's what most of us think. We think that God supernaturally just comes down and does something and blesses you and prospers you and give you success. But the Bible says you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. Now, when Jesus is here talking about a tree, he is literally talking about your heart. And he said, you make your heart good, he said, and the fruit's going to be good. But if you make your heart bad, the fruit is going to be bad. So somebody just can't say, well, I got a good heart, I got a bad heart, because you make your heart good. Jesus said, continuing on, verse 34, you brood of vipers, how can you, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So here's what Jesus just said. He said, you bring forth your life out of your heart. Life does not happen to you. You are not a victim and life doesn't happen to you. You bring forth your life. You bring forth good and you bring forth evil. Life is not a lottery. It's not a chance. Whether you have joy or depression, whether you walk in victory or defeat, you bring it forth. It comes out of your heart and you can make your heart good and you can make your heart bad. If all you're doing is putting in your heart what the world has to say, I guarantee you, your heart is going to be bad. But if you'll put God's word in your heart and you'll meditate on that word, you will bring forth. Remember, he said, then you will make your 
way prosperous and you will have good success. So Matthew 15, he said, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things that defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Jesus is saying that what's in your heart, you bring it forth. But it, right before that, he said, you can make the tree, your heart, good, or you can make it bad. And if you make it good, you'll produce good fruit. See, the Bible was given to us to change the way we think, to change our heart, and to change the way that we live by changing our heart. Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. Proverbs 4, 23. I want to give you this in a couple translations so that you, we, we can grab it. It says, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. That's King James. Listen to this translation. Above all, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. Your thoughts control your life. Different translation. Be careful what you think. Above all, above all that you guard, protect your heart because your thoughts run your life. Your thoughts what? Run your, run your life. Above all else, guard your affections, for they influence everything else in your life. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do comes from it, your heart. Everything you do comes from your heart. So we've got to protect our heart. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 4, it talks about what we need to protect it from. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. So literally, when you become a Christian, I think you know this, but you enter into a battle. You're in a spiritual war. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, for we do not wrestle or fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You're in a spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, the battlefield is in your mind. It's in your mind. What are you going to let in your mind? What are you going to be thinking about? What are you going to be meditating on? Because those things are going to get down inside of your heart. And it says bringing every thought into captivity. So when a thought enters your, 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 your mind cannot be a grand central station where any and every thought can come in and park. When, when a thought comes in that is contrary to the word of God, you need to reject that thought and kick it out. 
Now, it's been almost 500 years ago that Martin Luther said it this way. He said, you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. In other words, a wrong thought is going to come. But what you do is you police that thought and you reject that thought and you replace that thought with the word of God. We bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If it's a wrong thought, we reject that thought. We don't let that get in our heart. Our brains become magnetized with the dominating thoughts we hold in our mind. In other words, your life tends to go in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Whatever has your attention eventually has your heart. Let me say it this way. Where the mind goes, the man or woman follows. Where the mind goes, the man or woman follows. See, what, what, what you have in view on the inside is where you're going to go. The Bible tells a story about Abraham. He goes down to Egypt. Now, his wife, Sarah, is a knockout. She's beautiful. And so he said to her, look, he said, we're going to this pagan land and a king is going to see you and he's going to kill you. So he could kill you, kill me so he can marry you. So here's what I want you to do. Tell him you're my sister. I don't know about your house. That would not go over at my house. But that's what it, she did. And the king, sure enough, somebody said, man, that girl's a knockout. He sins, has her brought to his house. And God appears to him in a dream and says, you're a dead man. And he said, why, why, why? And he said, God said, that woman, she's his wife. He said, but he told me she was his sister. And she said that she was his sister. And God said, I know. I know you did this in the integrity of your heart. And I kept you from touching her. He said, but you give her back. You give her back and he'll pray for you. All right. Now, listen, this is what he said to Abraham, that king, Abimelech. He said, what did you have in view? What did you have in view? that you did that. In other words, he says, what were you thinking? What was it you saw in your mind happening? Remember, the man or the woman follows their thoughts. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. There's a story in uh, First Kings. It's about a, a Elijah. He's really one of the great heroes of the Old Testament. And he went to the wicked King Ahab and he said, there'll be no rain and no dew these years until I say so. And sure enough, God stopped the rain. No dew. He went and he, he was hiding, the Bible says, by the brook cherub. And Amazon Prime every morning dropped him off a burger and bread. It says Ravens, actually. It wasn't Amazon Prime. But when the brook dried up, he goes and he stays in at, with a widow in Seraphath. And supernaturally, God caused her cruise of oil to keep pouring and supernaturally filled up her men of oil, excuse me, of, of uh, flour every day. He goes back and he says to the king, let's meet on Mark Carmel and let's have a contest. And the God that answers by fire, he's God. And he prays. And God sends fire from heaven 
and consumes a sacrifice. And the Bible says all the people fall down and say, the Lord, he's God, he's God. They grab the 450 prophets of Baal. They kill those false prophets. He goes up on top of Mount Carmel. He prays and God sends the rain. And then the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came on him and he outran the king's chariot for 18 miles. How many of you would say he's having a good day? I mean, literally, Israel is about to come into revival. And Jezebel sent a messenger. Jezebel was the king's wicked wife. Saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the one of those dead prophets by this time tomorrow. When he saw that, when he saw that, she didn't even send a letter. He just, she just sent a messenger. But when he said it, when that messenger said it, he saw it. In his eyes, he saw himself being killed, being tortured. And he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba that belongs to Judah, left his servant there and ran three days out into the desert, fell down under a shrub called a broom tree and said, God, kill me. When he saw that, you will move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. And that's why we need to not be forgetful here is when we look in that mirror and we see who we are, we need to not turn around and forget who we are. The Bible says that's what so many of us do. We, we get in the word and we see it and it's in our head, but we don't take the time to apply it to our life and to meditate on it and get it down in our heart. Because if you just read it six hours later, it's going to be gone. But if you meditate on it, it will change your life. If you are not a forgetful hearer, when you meditate in the word of God, it is a preview of coming attractions. When you meditate and you see victory, you see deliverance, you see forgiveness, you see peace, you see joy, you see healing, you see success coming. It is a preview of coming attractions. You never leave where you are and where you are at until you first see it differently on the inside. Everything starts with a thought. Everything. This building that we're in right now, it was a thought in an architect's mind. That's how it got started. Put it down on paper and everything came together. So you meditate in the word and you will see yourself a new creature in Christ, accepted by God, at peace with God, the righteousness of God, free from bondage and depression and addiction. You'll see the authority that you have in Christ. The impossible becomes possible. And he's able to do exceedingly, the Bible says, abundantly above all that you could ask or think. How many of you got a pretty good asker and an even better imagination? But the Bible says he's even able to do more than you can even imagine. So it's when we meditate that we digest. And again, if you've ever worried, you understand what meditation is, but you've just been focusing on the wrong thing. You need to focus on the word of God. And God's word and its truth can become more real to you than the person that's sitting next to you right now. 
And God's word can become more precious to you than anything in this world. The Bible puts it this way in Psalms 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, changing the way that you think. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, and they make wise the simple. David said, I'm wiser than all my teachers because I meditate on your testimonies, on the things that you have done. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. You see, when, when we understand how the Word of God will affect our lives, we will seek the Word of God more than, than fame, more than fortune. Anything else is secondary, sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. I've been meditating recently on Psalms 115. It says, He, the Lord, will bless those who fear him, small and great. Doesn't matter where you are in culture, small, great. The Lord will bless. He says, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. No matter where you are, God's got more for you. More and more. May you be blessed by the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. I got to thinking about it. He made the heavens. They tell us in our galaxy, there's hundreds of millions of stars, and they are literally hundreds of millions of light years away from us in our galaxy. But in the universe, there's hundreds of billions of galaxies. Now, the God that threw all that into existence is the one who wants to bless you. And I don't know what your problem is, what your situation is, but it's not begged to him. And he's able to bless us in ways beyond anything that we are even able to imagine. Mark 4, verse 26. The kingdom of God is as if a man should set her seed on the ground, should sleep by night, and arise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. How many of you have figured out that you are not going to figure out God? You do not know how. The earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. So this is saying how the kingdom of God, the word of God works. First there's a blade, then there's a stalk, then there's an ear, and then there's the full grain in the ear for harvest. It's saying when God's word begins to work in, in your life, it doesn't happen all at once. And here's what I think is what we often do. We see a little something happen and we think, is that all I got? All that you've done is just seen the blade. This is the very beginning of what God wants to do. And as we continue to meditate and as we continue to have faith rise up in our hearts, we're going to see more and more and more of the manifestation of what God wants in our lives. 
And literally, that's the way the kingdom of God works. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if. He's comparing how a, how a, 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 a seed grows to how the kingdom of God, the word of God, works in our life. Now, what most of us want is we do not want that, the result of meditation and faith coming in your heart. We want a miracle. We just want God to just do something. Just sweep down and just all of a sudden full harvest right now. Now, here's what I think is interesting. The Bible calls Abraham the father of our faith. Do you know that Abraham never had a single miracle in his entire life? Not one miracle. He just continued to walk in the blessing of God. In fact, the Bible says that when Abraham was old, the Lord had blessed him in all things. He was blessed in every area of his life. But what happened with Abraham, it wasn't that God just supernaturally came down and did something. He just continued to walk in the blessing and favor of God. Now, the same thing is true when the children, with the children of Israel. They come out of Egypt and they're in the desert. And so they're in the desert and God gives them water out of a rock. And for 40 years, manna comes down from heaven. But the Bible says the day they crossed the Jordan and went into the promised land, that day the manna stopped. No more manna. It says, and they had to go and reap from the fields and reap from the orchards and reap from the vineyards. Once they got to the place where there was provision and they could go and reap, the supernatural stopped. And God wants us to live in that place of blessing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, for it's written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That the blessing of Abraham. Now, listen, Abraham was blessed, but he had a great tent and he had servants and he had camels and oxen and sheep and goats and nose rings and all kinds of crazy stuff. I, I do not want his nose ring or his camels. But those were the manifestations of the favor of God and the blessing of God on his life. What you and I want, we don't want his sheep and his oxen and his camels. But we do want the favor of God and the blessing of God on our life. And when it comes is when we are not forgetful hearers, but we take what we hear and we meditate on it. And it gets down on the inside of our hearts. And Jesus said, first there's going to be just a blade and then a stalk. And then there's going to be the ear forming. And then it's going to come into that, that full grain, the full harvest ready. And it doesn't happen in a week or even in a month. But as you and I stay in the word of God continually, you'll become like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? And please, nobody moving in, unless it's absolutely necessary. You know, when Jesus came, this is what he came preaching. He says, time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life. Believe God's message. Change your life. One translation says, rethink your life. 
because God's kingdom is here. And if you're here today and you're away from the Lord, you're not right with God, you say, I drifted away somehow and I need to get back to God, I need to get right with God. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And we are going to pray together, and God's going to meet you right here in this place. But in 1 John, I want you to listen to this. It says, the Bible says, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. Do you know there are literally hundreds of millions of people that say, I'm a Christian, or I'm, I'm trying to be a Christian. I'm, I'm trying to be a good person. Uh, I'm trying to live a Christian life. But I don't know if I'm right with God. I just figured when I die, I'd find out. But the Bible says to know that you have everlasting life. So you need to know you're forgiven. Know that you're right with God. Know you're on your way to heaven. Know that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And if you don't know that, you're not where you should be with God. And this is for you today. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand. And we're going to pray together. And God's going to meet you right here in this place. And when we say amen, you're going to know that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. You may have been in church all of your life, but you do not know. You don't know. My dad died when he was 49 years old. Went to church all his life. But he didn't know. He didn't know until shortly before he died where he stood with God. That's never God's plan. The Bible says we've written these things that you may know that you have. Not hope, not find out when you die, but you know that you have everlasting life. So I want you to get ready. As you lift your hand when we say three, the first thing that you're saying to God is this. You're saying, God, I understand that I need a Savior. And I'm coming to Jesus today to be saved and to be forgiven. One. As you lift your hand, you're saying this to God. You're saying today, I'm going to give Jesus my heart and my life. He's going to become my Lord, and I'm going to live for him every day. Two. Now get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying, God, today, I'm going to receive him. I'm going to receive the forgiveness that he offers me. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to forgive me. He's going to make me a new person on the inside. I'm going to be a part of your family on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Say, pray with me. I'm not right, but I want to get right. Thank you. I see a hand here, a hand back there, another hand over here, and another, and another, and another. Somebody else, include me, Pastor. Up in the balcony, say, include me. I'm not where I should be. I want to get right. I want to know for sure. Thank you. God bless you. A couple over here. Another hand in the back. All right. Would everybody please stand? Now, if you lifted your hand, I want you to look right at me. Right. Would you please move to the aisle that's nearest you, wherever that is. Bring whoever you came with. Bring your coat. Bring your purse. Bring your Bible. Bring whatever you need. But move right down here. God is going to meet us right here. We're going to pray. And when we say amen in just a moment, your past, it is going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. This literally is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. Would you give them a hand as they're coming down? Come on. Right over here. Couple more over there in the back. Couple over here. Come on down. Jesus said, confess me before men. I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Okay.
come on. Right over here. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Romans 10. Come on over this way. Would you please just write it over here? Come on down. Romans 10, verse 13. It says, whosoever, that means you, will call on the name of the Lord. Now, we're going to call on the name of the Lord the way the Bible shows us to. And this is the end of the verse. This is God's promise to you. Will be saved. When you pray this from your heart, and we say amen, you're right with God. You're forgiven. And he's going to make you new on the inside. All right, we ready? All right, everybody, please take one hand, put it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven where our help comes from. And want everybody, make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I believe he's coming again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. He is my Lord, my King. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.